Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into another episode of the Bearcat Brunch, brought to you by Royal Lynx Golf Tours. Have you always wanted to play golf at St. Andrews? Have you ever enjoyed that perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland? Do you dream of playing golf at famed Ballybunion? Royal Lynx Golf Tours is a golf tour specialist, offering unforgettable golf experiences to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries and more than golf trips. They are immersive, cultural, and country experiences that will surprise and delight you, both on and off the course. Royal Lynx Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner and UC alum Jeff Bartholomew. If you'd like to play St. Andrews or have that perfect pint in Ireland, visit their website at royallynxgolftours.com or call them directly at 770-331-1525. And with that, we are off. Thank you, for everyone, for joining this morning as my esteemed co-host jumps in, ready to roll, to talk about another, another Bearcats win, 28-24, 30 in a row at home, over, not over them, but over the South Florida Bulls. Good morning, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. I sent Aaron a message last night and told him that uh, I would almost rather send you a link to my son's fourth grade huddle stream so that we could uh, recap that instead. <laughs> was it was it that exciting? Yeah. Oh, their game was amazing. They they beat the the number two team in the league. They there they're finally go. starting to come together. You know, and my kid had a good game. So, hey, that's the that's the important thing. Oh, Who cares absolutely. About the team did, did the kid have a good game? Yeah. So, but uh, but as we do, off the top of the show every week. Biggest uh, takeaway from the Bearcats' most recent win to to move to five and one. Uh, Charles McClellan's still a dude, is a dude, probably will always be a dude. And even when we have kind of a an uninspired game elsewhere, we're still gonna win. A, and I'll get into it, especially offensively, because I did not expect to find what I found. Oh, I think uh, I know what you're talking about. It's a very just weird game. Um, the whole thing just was odd. And, you know, Chuck stole the show, you know, from from just a, a pure nuts and bolts UC winning perspective. Dude was awesome. You know, 179 yards, two touchdowns, long run of 35 uh, for a touchdown. Broke that dude's ankle, set him up beautifully. Um I thought he ran hard in in you know interior, broke some tackles, moved some piles. Like he was he was on his game uh, yesterday, and he needed to be without you know Corey Kiner, and he was out. Shouldn't be out for very long, just a, a, a minor a minor injury. But um, and you're kind of still bringing Ryan Montgomery back up to speed. So they really leaned on the running game, leaned on him, and you know for the second week in a row. The offensive line, from a run game standpoint, has really, I think, taken some strides. There was only one run, you know, by a running back, not counting sacks, but only one run for that resulted in negative yards yesterday. So, not a lot of action behind the line of scrimmage uh, for USF. I think they only had four total tackles for loss, which was uh, which was really good from the offensive line. But, like you said, Chuck was Chuck was the guy needed it. You know, um, but again, just a, a very, a very strange game. You know, a very, 
I'd say more defensively than offensively, and we'll get it. The offense wasn't strange. It was just a lot better analytically and data-wise than I expected it to be. Um, I say when I pulled up game on paper, I expected all, to see like all green, it's, baby. It's all green, and I'm like, <laughs> I guess I really just a fan perspective from the ESPN Plus view. Uh, it didn't look like there was going to be any green outside of maybe you know some of the run yeah, plays. Yeah, uh, best best offensive game from that standpoint outside of I imagine Kennesaw uh, <laughs> that they've had this year. So we'll. <laughs> Figure that out. But uh, g- good morning, John. Thank you for joining uh, the live feed. Thank you for everybody that jumps in. But uh, I think my biggest takeaway was just, one, that it was an odd, just feel, felt like an odd game. And two, I want to give a lot of credit to USF. They had a great game plan coming out. Uh, their opening drive was really, really good from a, a mixture of running the ball, the quarterback run, uh, they didn't do much in the passing game outside of Xavier Weaver, but what they did do was very short and quick and in an effort to keep UC off balance. And I think their run game and the way they use Gary Bohannon just never really allowed the front seven to pin their ears back and really go after the quarterback. And, you know, again, especially in the first two drives, the third down issues kept those drives alive. They converted a, a second and 14 with a 15-yard quarterback run on the second play of the game. I mean, first play of the game, we come out and they try to run the ball, and it's a four-yard loss, and second play of the game. Quarterback, no, nothing fancy, quarterback run, 15 yards. Converted a third and eight with a 16-yard completion, converted a third and five with a six-yard completion, and then on the second drive, converted a third and six with an 18-yard completion, and it's 10 nothing. We've run one play and, you know, Ben under through Tyler Scott and, you know, yeah, you know, it's going to happen, but I, mean, I don't even consider the second interception a, a thing. A it's thing. not a, it's not a turnover worthy play. I mean, he had one incompletion in the first half outside of those two interceptions. Uh, but the defense just, whether it was a little bit of a Tulsa effect in a game that was super physical um, whether it's just some guys, it seemed like Ivan Pace was dealing with something with his shoulder, arm, did not seem to just have that juice that he has had uh, in the first five games. And there were missed tackles, especially on Batiste's touchdown run and on a couple of the quarterback runs. It was I was just say the first touchdown run uh, for USF, I think I counted five missed tackles. Yeah, and he had a 22-yard like run and wasn't – Again, wasn't anything special. I mean, they didn't do. It wasn't like they fooled you. No, no fooled that was them. just a, that was just kind of a, a straight up, like off tackle kind of like take it take it right at you. And they were, I mean, started right at the defensive line. I mean, there was a a defensive lineman that whiffed on one, and then there were you know a slew of others as he just kind of went into the end zone. And then uh, I think it was like Deshaun Pace, I think, hit him like as he was crossing the goal line. So yeah, that's a missed tackle in my book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the, their game plan was good. They blocked well, you know, especially in the first half. Um, and we just couldn't get couldn't get them off too much of a schedule. I mean, they had the, <clears throat> they had the ball basically the whole first quarter and had the ball 21-17 of the first half. Now, we turned it around drastically in the second half. They only had the ball for a little over 11 minutes. And time of possession, in my mind, is is misleading, especially when you have 
the offense UC has that has been so big on the explosive plays and and have has the playmakers they have. But um, they had the ball for a lot a lot of the first half, but they were also being successful with it. It wasn't like you know. They had a ton of drives. They only had a few drives. They were just converting and, and being successful and keeping UCF bounds and staying staying on schedule for what they wanted to do. And I just think they called a really good game and executed a really good game. And uh, you know, and there's some things that UC is going to have to work on because you know, from a quarterback run standpoint, that is what. US, UCF is going to do with John Rice Plumley. I mean, they're a, a top five, top ten running the ball team nationally. So, you know, we did what? a fairly good job of it against Arkansas. We did a much better job of it against the way Kennesaw does their run, the way Miami with their running quarterback, but, you know, kind of rever- reverted back to more of what we saw against Arkansas with Bohannon. Just, you know, run. they're in a lot of delays, broken tackles. Yeah, so that'll be something to get worked on. I mean, there's so for my if my math is correct on thir- or twenty three total first downs that USF had, uh, they gained five or more yards on rushes on thirteen of them. And the majority of that being in the first half. It just like they were, I think they were three, three of five first downs. They had over five yards um, in the on the first possession. That was a touchdown. Uh, then they got a field goal. They only had one of four. And then they were one of one, three of four, and one of two. Those are first downs where they ran the ball and got more than five yards. Um, in the second half, they were not nearly as uh, successful with that, which kind of lend, lends to the fact that they only had the ball for eleven minutes. And when you bring up the fact that Bohannon is very similar to, and I'm not saying as good as, just saying mobility-wise with, you know, K.J. Jefferson, we had some issues there. And I don't know if they need to change maybe a, a scheme, the way that they're addressing that. Because um, when you have a quarterback that, like like let's say last week, well, you have 11 sacks. Granted, that quarterback was not mobile at all. Right. Because he... He had like one ankle. Um, I don't. I don't know. There was. I think Luke addressed it after the game. He just said there wasn't like the same energy level. The same. And I don't know if it's because they're playing USF, but Aaron and Chad kind of touched on it last night in the uh, uh, nightcap. Like everybody's going to be giving you their best shot. Everybody's giving you their you know their haymaker. Their this is our last go at a team that's leaving for the Big Twelve. We're not playing them again. UC's got this crazy big, like, uh, 30 games at home, eighteen now 18 games straight in the AAC. It, that's the king on top of the mountain. And if you, if you don't come out ready to go, and they are, I mean, you see it every week. There's some crazy upset teams getting taken to the wire that shouldn't be getting taken to the wire. You got to be able to get up off the mat. Yeah, you're just you're never gonna, you know, unless you're the elite of the elite. It's it's just very hard to sustain a level of play week in and week out, regardless of the opponent that that I think a lot of people expect. And I I fully expected a better performance than yesterday. Um, 
But I also expected, you know, part of me expected too, like USF got worked last week against ECU. They're dealing with a ton of injuries. Like, so yes, UC is dealing with some, a lot more injuries than they have in, in the last couple of years, but it's that's not an excuse. Everybody's got injuries. I mean, USF is about as depleted as, as you could get. And they came out and had a good game plan. And, and I think, I just think that I'm not, I don't, I don't think it's a scheme issue defensively stopping the run because I mean through through six games or through five games they were what third in the country in rushing yards allowed. Now part of that is because of the sacks, but I mean nobody's really you know outside of the Arkansas game nobody had ran the ball at all. So you can't even I can't even say like well that's because Arkansas was good and everybody else is stunk. Like there has there had to be a little bit in between like. Nobody's ran the ball at all in those okay. other games. So I just think that they they did a good job, you know, with the very, very basic stuff. And UC didn't get off blocks. They didn't on Bohannon's long run down the sideline. No contain on the edge. And then there was nobody else over there. I don't know if that was just part of the scheme because they moved the other, they moved two tight ends. They were in 12. They moved the two tight ends to the, right side of the formation and then he ran to the left so there's really only the end there like um but it's just you know it seemed like pretty basic stuff to get cleaned up you know because john john asked should we be worried about teams trying to kill us on the run going forward or do we see this as an aberration i mean it's kind of going to play it down the middle like i'm not going to be worried i'm not super worried about teams killing them with the run but i'm also don't really think it's an aberration i just think you know, it, if, you, if you don't get things fixed, especially with the quarterback aspect of it, like UCF is going to exploit that. SMU's not. I mean, we know what they are offensively. Like, they're not going to do that. Um, Navy had a, a hell of a game yesterday running their stuff. Obviously, UC will be in a different, totally different defense for that. So it's not really apples to apples. Uh but I just think it was like a good game by the opponent and UC didn't look like they were, you know, fully engaged and made some mistakes, whether it was missed tackles, run fits, and gap integrity, all the cliches that, you know, you use to try to sound smart, you know, talking, <laughs> talking about football. But, you know, I think sometimes you don't have to like dig too much deeper than the other team had a good scheme and executed it. And we, we didn't counter it. Like, I don't know if I really need to like try to be more than that. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I, I tried to rewatch it and I just, I, I couldn't bring myself to, to do it. Um, yeah, I think and, I'm pretty much out on the rewatches, uh, with, you know, for the rest of the, like <laughs> outside the of if, outside of if there's like something, I went back and looked at a few things. Um, and that was purely so that I didn't misspeak. Right. Um, but, I could. I mean, it was just. It was one of those games. Like I was, I was texting with my my brother in laws and I'm like, it just kind of seems a little bit like they're uninterested. Um, I know people are like, oh, you always got to, you know, they're always up for. It. Well, they weren't. And, and Luke, like I said, Luke touched on it. He said they didn't have the passion, and energy that he would like them to see, or that we ha- have had in the past, like the, the last few games. Um. And that he was worried about a one and fourteen coming in, like he always worries about that, and that's straight from Luke. So uh, it's a homecoming game. I don't know if they were all out kind of 
hanging out the night before. Oh, got, yeah, I'm sure they were out, you know out I mean? partying like, with, the, <laughs> with everybody. Get, get all these people in. It is what it is. You know, it's another one of those games, like, you just kind of, you know, you don't say you're going to grab the keys and get out of Nippert, but... Uh, no, it was... You're just... It's just, like... It's weird. Just, you look at it, and I'm trying, like... So Xavier Weaver had a good game, and we talked about him coming in, that he was a threat, but, like, Jimmy Horn Jr. had, like, almost 200 yards receiving last week. He touched the ball three times. <laughs> he had one catch on a pop pass for two yards and then ran the ball twice. So he had three three touches for 12 total yards. I mean, he did nothing, which was – I would have been like, there's no way they can be can, like be in this game if, if Jimmy Horn Jr. does that. Brian Batie had nine carries for 48 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter and had 18 carries for 34 yards the rest of the game. So they basically shut him down in the second mm-hmm. three quarters. And then it was really Weaver in this Weaver and Bohannon running the ball uh, that, that put them in position to be, you know, be in the game late. And we still have the issues third down defensively that we talked about, you know, allowing eight for 15 again. But and this is what separate this is what we talk about when we talk about separating good teams from really good teams and great, really good teams from great teams. It's like Third down, USF did you know the last their last drive basically. They ran two plays trying to get the ball to their best playmakers, fastest guys. They ran that play to Horn on third and whatever it was, third and four, third and three, and we snuffed it out. And he only he gained one or two yards. And then on fourth down, I don't love the play <clears throat> call, but I get it. Like get it to Brian Batie. He needs one yard. Get the edge. Yeah, because they're probably thinking we're going to quarterback run, so they're they're bringing some guys up tighter to the line, and then when we don't quarterback run and flip it out to him, he should be able to get to the edge, and for one yard, yeah, for one yard. And Van Fossen, uh, Taj Ward, and Javon Hicks read the play beautifully, made the tackle for the loss. I mean, and that's, that's what se- that's what separates you when you're playing bad, and the or the other and or the other team's playing good but you still are able to make those two or three crucial plays to, to, to seal a game. I don't know. I can't, I, it was, I believe it was on Bohannon's maybe like his 50, was it his 59 yard rush? It was one of the longer rushes, but down the UC sideline, Van Fossen <clears throat> caught him. Hi, Van Fossen's got some wheels. Well, he's a stallion. Yeah. Right. He's not a pony boy anymore. He's a stallion. <laughs> so you better be able to catch him. Oh man. And you, you saw it. Then you saw it on that that fourth and one. Gotta have it play. Um, Did you see his press conference where he mentioned that the neck roll throws people off and people don't realize slower than he is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I'm telling you, I need I need the neck roll, but now I need the Bosworth headband too. Oh, uh, I, I think he, he could, needs I, to throw it back. I think he could fully pull that off. He could absolutely pull off the the crazy headband like Bosworth. Yeah, like thing. the old school Adidas yeah. headband that he just tied in the back and Yeah. Cut his hair into a mullet. But he had sixteen tackles. Uh Will Huber had a big game too, eight tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. But I mean like to eight tackles for loss, which is it's not like a bad number, but it's below their average. No sacks, no turnovers. Didn't seem like, you know, to me, 
didn't seem like they got Uh-oh. very many hits on Bohannon. And yes, they were doing a lot of slow stuff or not a lot of slow stuff, a lot of quick stuff and didn't, you know, that's in their offense. They're not like a true drop back type throwing offense, but didn't seem like they got a lot of pressure. Didn't seem like they got very many hits on him. Like he wasn't worried. He wasn't hurried. Um, you know, in, in very many of his throws, I don't remember any, did he have any throwaways? I mean, that's been a staple of late is like, I, know, I don't think there were any that I can, none that I can recall. I mean, I didn't so, go back you know, to like, again, credit, up. credit to them. I'm, I'm, it is, I've said it, I think I've said it before. It is a massive pet peeve of mine when you, you know, when it's just automatically like, oh, we didn't play good. Like, whether it's in a win or a loss, like, no, I'm going to credit them. Like, they had a good yeah. game plan. They blocked well. They executed what they were trying to do and they were in it to the end. And did UC do a lot of things that helped keep the game close? Sure. But so did USF. And they deserve a lot of credit for the way they played coming in here tons of injuries off of a bad week, like, you know, big, big credit to the way they played. Um, offensively. So should we get into the ridiculousness that w- are these offensive yeah. stats? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> um, expected points per play, 86 percentile success rate. Here you go. The one that was the bugaboo against, uh, Arkansas what, down in like the 20 something percentile, right. 99 percentile yes. success, success rate. Oh, these are all bright green. Yes. Uh, yards per play again, over seven, 7.1, 78th percentile EPA drop back and rush both over 77% yards per drop back 72%. Like I don't get it. They had one, they had one three and out. Obviously the, the turn, the turnover, you know, two turnovers, the not getting it on fourth day, fourth and one in scoring range, you know, should have, could have, I'm always a go for it guy. Like, yeah. Um, so I'm not going to, I will never be like, oh, we should have, you know, very rarely will I ever be like, we should have attempted a field goal. I'm always a go for it guy. So that doesn't bother me. Um, but, you know, I get two for seven on third down, not getting the fourth and one. And somehow like the numbers are ridiculous and I'm, I'm not sure how, like, I, I don't, I'm not smart enough to tell you how they come up with them uh, or, you know, what truly goes into it. Um, it didn't feel that way watching the game that's for sure well and then if you look i mean i guess i'm sorry to cut you off i guess i take that back it did kind of feel like they were you know it was just they were not really stopped very often but you know it just when watching the play-by-play it's like yeah this this makes sense but then you're like 28 points and okay now try to make sense of it i guess it's because the defense didn't get any turnovers we didn't get any like truly short fields. We didn't get off the field on third down. So like the opportunities weren't there, but the minimal opportunities they had, they were pretty successful at. And and really, and then like if you look the other, even when UC was down ten nothing, their win probability was still over seventy five percent, and it didn't even it it never dropped below fifty seven percent, and that was. I'm assuming where was this at? At the 128th play in the game, so almost at the end of the game, I guess probably whenever USF. Yeah, it was probably whenever USF was up yeah. at 24-21. But, 
and then it immediately spiked back up and obviously but it never like it the win probability percentage never dropped onto usf's half either yeah uh, i just it, it's a very strange like you said it's very strange very weird uh when i woke up this morning and opened up uh the game on paper thing and it was all green and then I had to make sure that I clicked like the right. I was also the right... expecting there was no way that that game was going to be on there. Oh, you... I was like, there's no chance they have the play by play for this on ESPN.com. Right. It was only shown just on ESPN plus. So why would right. ESPN.com? Cause. <laughs> oh, um... but it, I'm glad that it was though. Like when you, when you look at that and then the way, the way we talk about like, Hey, USF did some good things. And like, I mean, they're, they're in the light green on a lot of their stuff, which we, um, which I think was more expected because there was like we didn't play yeah. a great game on defense. But yeah, I mean, like that's the great thing about something like game on paper is we without that we come on here, and I think we're talking about the offense in a totally different way. And granted, this yeah. is not everything. This is not the end all right. be all. But I think it just helps color in the lines a little bit and helps fans to to take a a bigger, broader picture of what they saw. You know, because when you're watching the game, especially if you're at the game, it's just a different, you know, you're watching it, but how are you, you know, how are you watching it? And this helps you kind of, you know, take a bigger view of how things went. Um, Maybe keep some folks from uh, climbing up onto the ledge. And sure, sure. I, mean, not, I think you're going to get, that's gonna, I think that's going to happen anytime you're playing a team that is not good. And you're a 28 point underdog or favorite, and you have a game like that. I understand that. Like, yeah. yeah. But this is also gonna... this is also a team that went in there and played Florida to the to the brink. Yeah, I'm not saying Florida's the greatest team in the world, but no, I mean they have offensive talent. Like Gary Bohannon is a fairly limited passer, but I mean he led Baylor to the Big 12 championship game. Brian Batie is a good running back. Jimmy Horn and Xavier Weaver are really nice wide receivers who I would love to have at UC. Like they have offensive talent. Their issue has been defense. Yep. And we didn't put up the points because I'm not sure we had the opportunities. You know, we, you have, you really only have one. I'm not going to count the interception at the end of the half. That's not really a scoring opportunity. Right. So you have, you have an interception on your first drive. You punt three times and you, Go for it on fourth down and don't get it. So that's five other true scoring opportunities that they could have had. And if we're going off of most of the season, they're probably scoring touchdowns on two, at least two of those five probably. drives. Yeah. And they just didn't do it to the, do it this year um, or to this, this game. So, yeah. you know, it's just, and that's, that's where you see the, the, the imbalance and, and why the game was, was closer than it was. Um, you know, I thought when Tyler Scott went out, you could tell it shifted how USF was playing. They were not they were not really worried about getting the ball thrown over their head as much. Yeah. Um, and I thought I'm sure it, sh- it changed a little bit of our play calling too. You know, you just have different different receivers. I thought Jaden Thompson had a really good game, three catches on three targets. Silly, uh, mo- silly move on his touchdown. Uh, like that. Put those get three three defenders. He put him in a blender put him on ice skates broke their ankles whatever you want to say he did it all and they i mean there it was like you had it was you know like a shot out of a cannon after he broke the last guy's ankles and 
it was right. all she wrote but uh i, I would have thought maybe that this was the game like once uh tyler scott went i, I would have thought maybe this was the game where they could have uh really leaned on like lenny taylor and josh wiley a little more um i'm still kind of waiting on that i i, I get text messages and like dms and stuff all the time like what do you think about this why why aren't they using them i'm like well for yeah. one i don't sit in offensive meetings so like i don't i don't know i would like to see them use more uh but not yeah. always I mean, the I game it was, a, it was um, a run heavy it was a run heavy game and it worked and you know, they threw the ball um uh, they threw the ball well i mean they had six six incompletions Two of which were interceptions, and one was an interception that doesn't count. Well, yeah, I mean, it counts so, in the stats, but it was just kind of yeah, that I mean, throwaway into the half. Trey Tucker was targeted four nine times, had seven catches. We talked about Jaden Wiley was targeted four times, had two. Mardner was targeted three times, had two and a touchdown. Ryan Montgomery had a catch on a, on a really good screen call. Aaron's guy Blue Smith Blue had a catch, was one and, for one, and then you had. Tyler Scott was targeted once and didn't come up with it. And Chris Scott was targeted. Once. Like there just wasn't, like we said, there wasn't a lot of drives. There weren't a lot of plays. They only ran like 60, 60, low 60 scrimmage snaps, which is, I mean, that's a really fairly low amount for a college football game. That doesn't include Iowa, uh, Illinois. Well, Iowa somehow found out how to punt like three times on the same thing. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was just, it, it, it's all we keep going back to it, but this is just not this was just a weird, odd game for UC in, in a lot of different facets. Uh, Chelsea brings up, Am I worried about Ben Bryant and his injury? Uh, Evan didn't look ready, so that was concerning. I'm not worried just because he was back on the sideline with his with, hat with, on with the ball cap. I think he had a helmet on, even maybe at one moment, and then they probably rolled him out and he had a hat on. I don't I'm never going to speculate, especially with whether he had a concussion or not. Um, but if and things can happen, you know, as the days go on. But with the bye week or the off week, I would feel pretty confident that he's going to be ready to go uh, when they head to SMU in two weeks. Um, so the other, hit, like I don't know, I don't know if you got a chance to go back and like watch it, like. Uh, like a video of it. I like everyone wanted the roughing, the, the targeting, like he slid way too late. Oh, he, so that like I, instantly I, talk, I was like, there's no way they're going to flag that. That should not be targeting. Like he basically sat down. Like what is the defender yeah. supposed to do? Aaron. So Aaron called me on his way back, uh, back out to God's country out there in Athens. Uh, and he was like, I'm seeing like some stuff on Twitter that like the game was dirty. And like, there was, uh, I said, I thought it was called like I thought the officials called actually a, a really good game. Uh, I think UC had a, had the lowest amount of penalties yeah, all what, year. Like they had four, four, four for thirty five yards, three or thirty five. Um, like but on, specifically on those plays, uh, the the play with with Ben Bryant, I was like he slid way too late, like way way too late. Um, and even then, the defender just clipped his. Yeah, it didn't even seem like it was that like vicious clipped, of a. No, he clipped his top shoulder, and you know when you're sliding and you clip that top shoulder, it kind of pushed his other shoulder into the ground, and then there was nothing supporting his head between. Mm -hmm. And his head bounced off, um, and it looked maybe like it was a little bit like violent there with his head hitting the ground, but it yeah. wasn't 
it wasn't like the defender was headhunting. No, um, I, and, I didn't think that at all. I mean, obviously fans are going to react when they see right. play like because we're just used to them the refs practically throwing targeting penalties and or things like that. Whether it's a UC game or any other game, we're just used to it. And but I did not think that was that was it, anything egregious. Um, then the one at the end of the half uh, with uh, Chris Scott, I also initially. Uh, game speed, I thought it was targeting. I thought there would be an upheld targeting, but when you went back and watched the, uh, when they showed the replay and it was in slow motion, the defender, uh, I believe it was number seven from USF, his shoulder, I mean, he, he laid his shoulder square into like, kind of like his back, right? Like it was like just below the, the top of the shoulder pad, like right into, I mean, right where you need to separate an individual yeah. from the ball legally in today's game, you know, it used to be that you just went haphazard. I mean, he he hit him with his shoulder into him, and the the force of where he hit him, there the sides of their helmets kind of came together. Yeah, but I, I also thought that that was the correct call to because he didn't even launch off the ground. Like he didn't. There there was no like. I mean, he he broke down before he made the hit. I thought that that was uh, well done there. I thought the officials did a good job with uh, all the reviews that they yeah. had and making them like snappy. And I know that you know a lot of times people want to come after officials or whatever. Well, after, but I la thought they... after last week, right, you know. right. Oh, absolutely. But this week, but, I thought that they, that crew did a, a good job and called a pretty pretty good game. Yeah, I have, I had no real issues. Um, you know, nothing. I mean, there were a couple of plays I thought they could have got USF for holding on. Um, but yeah, those are judgment calls. I'm not going to mm -hmm. worry about that. Um, but you know, you know, talking about Evan and coming in in the in the first half down in near inside the red zone, I thought that was a nice change of pace to bring him in. I do. You do worry sometimes, though, like. Yes, you expect your players to convert, but then you're also nine times out of ten telegraphing what you're going to do yeah. to the defense. Like, if I just run this guy out here that hasn't played all game and he's now the quarterback, like, what do you think he's going to do? You think he's going to, they're going to go five wide and he's going to read, you know, read the receivers and read the, no, they're going to run the ball. So you can still be successful doing that, but I think, you know, you're also telegraphing your intentions um, when he had to come in, when he, when Ben got hurt, I thought he was okay. The throw that he missed to Wiley. Um, that's a really hard throw, uh, uh, especially coming in, coming in cold, kind of a, you know, whole shot over the low defender before the safety third and 16. Like it's just a very low percentage play. Uh, the sack. That's one play I would want to go back and, review it's it seemed like he had trey tucker on what they were designing kind of like that bubble inside screen or whatever yeah. and just ate the ball I'm, I'm not sure if he someone was in his way if he didn't see like but in that situation i'm kind of part of me is kind of like you know we've had success running the ball like let's just give the ball to him or chuck and you just know, run it and try and see what you know on second and ten you know try you know see what happens there you know i'm not i i wouldn't with these next two games you know his his package in my opinion should be limited 
if if at all. Like these are the two biggest games of the season coming up. If Ben can go, you know, he's oh, yeah. he's proven he's he's going. Like he had a, uh, a good of a pretty good game when you look at the numbers and losing your number one receiver and the way they were playing defense and the way you see ran the ball, like I'm I'm not thinking there's anything there. It's just a matter of Ben's availability. I would agree with that. Uh, and I, I think I think he's going to be fine. We do have the, the bye week to, to come back like you touched on. Evan, I don't know, coming in cold like that, I don't know that you can really like... I know everybody says like, oh, I practice, like I'm going to be the starter and I'm going to... But like when you get when you get thrown into a game uh, and it's not like garbage time, end of the thing, like whatever, um, you get thrown in a game where you're down and it you know the other team is playing the way that they're playing and you're you're cold coming into that i mean i, I don't know that i really take take a, yeah. i mean i guess if he if he light i guess it's kind of a double standard because if he lights the scoreboard up there then you're like oh yeah like why don't we just stick with him forever but you know he comes in and he really he just did what needed to be done you know ran the offense the way it needed to be run to to get the win and get out of there and that's about all you want out of that situation, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's a super hard position to be put in because you're not taking a ton of reps during the week. You come in, the playbook is not going to be the same. Uh, it's just not. The starting quarterback, who's a whatever Ben is, I don't even know what these years are anymore. Like he's right. a, he's a senior. Air he's, a super, he's a super. <laughs> se- he's a super senior. Like his knowledge of the offense from being here before, from game experience at Eastern Michigan, to you know game reps for the first six weeks, is just incredibly more diverse. They're they're just not going to have the playbook to run with Evan, and the defense is also going to know like this guy is a running quarterback mm-hmm. to in our mind. Like we think he, you know, he's a perfectly fine passer, but like yeah. he's a running quarterback. So we're going to play coverages. We're going to play defense expecting them to either run the ball with him, run the ball with a running back, do some RPO stuff. Like he had a real nice play where he bought some time and hit Wiley on that, yeah. on like a 15 yard gain or whatever. Um, but you're just, it's, it's a hard position to be put in. So you're not going to just stand out there and like run the same offense, especially in a close game where you're trailing at the time because you're thinking like, okay, this guy hasn't been in there. If we make one mistake, like that could be the game. So you have to be a little bit more conservative, even though you're from behind and trying to come back, you're not going to just run the same formations you're going to run with Ben Bryant. So I thought he acquitted himself well. I mean, they, they scored, they won the game. Uh, I would, I'm still a proponent of more things like we saw in the first half with their issues on third downs. Um, Just like a Prater package. You can be varied and you can not be super, super predictable and still have him in the game um, more than just one snap here, one snap there. But, you know, it's, it's, it worked in the first half, and I'd like, you know, I have no issue seeing more of that. I just don't want it to turn into, my, my only fear with when you do those things is like, you know, he comes in, let's say it's, you have know, all the success, one that he's like, and not that Ben Bryant's not having success, because, 
I mean, I, I've come on here already in the last first five episodes uh, when it, you know people were really clamoring for whatever reason. Uh, ben Bryant is the quarterback kind of thing, but um, like Aaron said that uh, the the crowd yesterday was already chanting like "We want Prater, we want Evan." Or like, he said it was loud enough he could hear it up in the, <laughs> which is crazy to me. Um, yeah, I, especially I, when when you then go back, like like you said, uh, go back and touch on it. Like when you look at the game on paper and the the percentiles of how the offense performed, and they the offense was not had, the reason like, their best the game, game of the year. The offense was not the reason the game was close. <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I don't know what else I, I can say about that. Like, like Aaron put in the in the chat that if you take out the drive at the end of the half where we're trying to score, but I mean you're you're throwing a hail mary. So you take right. that out. There's 10 drives. Throws an interception on the first play. They score four touchdowns. So you're at like what 40% of touchdown drive rate. That was Chad. Oh, Chad did that. Thank you, Chad. I didn't think Chad would be awake. But <laughs> uh you have the fourth down stop and you have three punts, some of which were on plus territory. So you pin them, pin them back. Like you just didn't have opportunities because the other team was on the field a ton, which we hit, are not accustomed to. And we didn't hit the big plays. We did not have the explosives without Tyler Scott and the way that we played slash the way USF defended. Like you just didn't have the, the, the chunk touchdowns like we've had so many times or the quick scoring drives, like where yes. you get a turnover and you score quick, within, quick strike. within yep. a couple minutes. Like the, the last touchdown was the last touchdown was a two play drive. Um, but the, the game was close because the defense you know, did not stop the run, especially in the first quarter, and couldn't get off the field on third down. And, you know, the offense, I'm, I don't really have much issue with, with what happened offensively yesterday. No. Nope. Defensively, I think uh, I'll say it for a third time. Like Luke said, they're just not the – just didn't have the same, like uh, – I don't know. It just – not accustomed to seeing like the the missed tackles and the lack of pressure and and that kind of thing. And obviously, we talked about this before the season started that you know you don't have uh, a Thorpe Award winner and the best player in UC history uh, on your in your cornerback spot. Yeah. So, you know, you were you, going to see more more you know big chunk passes. Even with their quick passing game or limited passing game, he still only completed fifty percent of his throws. Yeah. So it's another quarterback that they've held to fifty percent. Um, I mean, he made it. That was a great throw in the corner of the end zone for the touchdown down, like by the lair. Um, just a perfect, perfect ball, yeah. perfect, perfect route concept. Um, say it's hard for the safety in that case, Javon Hicks. It's hard for him to get all the way over there. Um, but you know, credit again to USF. They played a really, really good game, and you see, uh, you know, sputtered on defense, missed a couple opportunities offensively, and you know, we move on. I think you know, it's a very much a cliche thing to say, like it's a perfect time for the off week. I think in this case, it it, really it does is. come at a really good time. Whether it's getting some guys healthy, whether it's some self scouting, whether it's you know, preparing for these next, you know, preparing for SMU, preparing for uh, UCF. Uh, obviously, you're not going to do too much UCF stuff because you know you got a big game against SMU. Uh, even though they're kind of, I'm not sure what to make of them. I mean, they're two and three, and their two wins are North Texas and Lamar. 
they've lost three in a row and and looked really really bad down in Orlando. Um, so we'll we'll see there, but you know, got to get some guys healthy and just you know clean some stuff up. I mean, they're still a good, they're still a really really I think a really really good football team. They're good. they're going to be really really hard to score on. They have you know. Hopefully Tyler Scott is not out for a while. Did not see him uh, at any point after his injury. Uh, Corey Kiner, he was back on the sidelines. He was in a boot. Oh, okay. So I mean, who knows how what that means? That could it be. was it was on his right foot. Um, but we'll see yeah. what the extent of that injury yeah. is. That could Hopefully be precautionary. That could be anything at, the, at right. this point. I mean, so I'm not going to speculate on that. Uh, and then Kiner wasn't in at all because he had some hand in. Hand yeah, from Cuddy's. Cuddy sustained a couple weeks ago. Um, so then he, like, hopefully, he should be back. After yeah, I would think with two more weeks, he should be close. I would, you know, hopefully Shaman Mateo's close. Hopefully, Will Pauling is getting close. Um, you know, Chris Scott and. Jaden Thompson went out, but they came back in. So hopefully mm-hmm. everything is with it with a week off. Everything's fine with them. Probably um, Ben Bryant is. Yeah, the same I thing. I think we would think that he is just a, just from seeing him. I mean, he was out. I think you know, kind of he was out there. He had the ball cap on, talking to Evan. Like yeah, so yep, just get get rested up and and get ready for this big big two game stretch. And because the conference is. Uh, not great. So if you, I think one another, or, if you drop one, one or two teams have played three games in conference, everybody else has played two, and UC, Tulane, and UCF are the only teams that haven't lost the game. So we're barely into conference play, and everybody else has at least already lost once. And then, so, uh, yeah, so you can virtually eliminate SMU with a win Saturday. And then, you know, you see the UCF game. They only have – they haven't lost. They still play two-lane. We play two-lane. So, it kind of – the way that it's working out right, right as of now, who knows. Um, and then uh, we'll find out – we'll find out all the juicy details about the uh, AAC weekend tonight. On oh, the, yeah. Uh, on the Bearcats <laughs> yeah, Nightcap. Gets with- to, they get to talk about the big Memphis-Houston uh, game. Tulsa uh, giving up nearly 500 rushing yards to Navy, who was averaging 13 points a game on the season. They scored like 50 something, I think. Oh, I think damn near close to 50. Uh, they blew the they blew the over under. I think themselves. All, all on their own. Yeah. So I don't know. Like the Bearcats apparently just broke Tulsa. I saw you tweet. I saw you tweeted that because that was holy cow. I was looking at my phone during that. I'm like, what is going on? Like Navy does some good stuff defensively. They'll they'll they blitz a ton. They run some nice some nice games up front. Like they are really interesting defensive team to watch. But like their offense has been dog baby, and (laughs) they just exploded on on Tulsa. (laughs) Oh, they were saving it all up. Yeah. And then Jason brings up the uh, the best highlight of the entire game was uh, Luke Fickle coming over and <laughs> giving Chad a hug. Yeah, I don't know the- who put it on Twitter. I don't know if it was Ed or who it was, but like talking about like how much Amy was going like, to yell at Luke for hugging Chad before he, or her. he I think it was, her. I think it was Ed. It was yeah. that's a very very funny line. Uh, Bearcat twelve, 
does it concern you that we haven't played one good team yet? Arkansas stinks. Uh, no, it doesn't, because you can only play who's on your schedule. So I don't yeah. really care about anybody else. Um, Arkansas also didn't have KJ Jefferson last week that and lost to Alabama. So I mean, I'm not like I'm not going to go as far as Arkansas stinks. Not having KJ Jefferson had a lot to do, I think, with them losing yesterday. Still, probably could have lost with him, but uh, he's a he's a vitally important part of what they're doing and then they were with Alabama for like three quarters and then they weren't. So, uh, we would stink. Punk says we would stink if we played Alabama right now. Yeah, too. Everybody. I mean, somehow everyone except Texas A&M the yeah. last two years has, you know, has, has troubles with the, uh, you know, nine time, whatever national champs of recent feels like, you know, the last decade. But you know, I guess I, you know, kind of to that question on, I just look at, I try to look at things at the macro, like in the big picture, because I think if you look, if you drill down too much, you'll just never, you'll find something that annoys you and you'll never be happy. Yeah. Like I, I tweeted from my personal account today, like my teams are 10 and one this year. I'm having fun. Like we'll start with your other team. If, on I, the, if on you the whip look, around. if you, if you drill down so deep and there's, and you focus in on some issue that is annoying you so much or you find so bothersome, you'll never enjoy just winning the damn game or having a a good season because you'll just always be hung up on, we need to do this better, this guy needs to play more, or why are we calling these plays? Like, Look at the schedule. Look at the teams every week that are favored or favored big that just flat out lose. Like, I just don't want to lose. I don't really care. I'm. We'll hash it out on here, and we'll – We'll talk some more inside football stuff and we'll have fun with it. But like, I'd rather just talk about it and be like, yeah, well, we still won and things weren't great and we still won. And now we move on and we try to win again next week. I mean, when you, when you look at it and in those terms, and like we said earlier, that's 30, 30 straight games at home and 18 in the conference in a row. I mean, that, that, and if you pick up some wins elsewhere here and there, I mean, over the last few years, you know, they've been in games with, with Georgia, obviously the, the Alabama game. I don't know that they were really. No, they were, whatever, but it was a, so, yeah, Alabama that, then, was a much, much better team that, you know, yeah. in that game. And then, and then Arkansas at the beginning of this year, you open up with that. There, there's a whole Bearcat brunch on that as well, but just enjoying what this is and what was before this like would you rather go back to that where literally like you don't have to drill down to find something that's off <laughs> it's, and wrong it's very where it's very, it apparent very apparent on the on the surface um like i, I don't want to go back to that uh and i can appreciate when fans want to drill down and find like this and that and whatever but Oh, I do too. I just try to do I'm it, just not but do it without making it. it your yes. Do it without making it the thing that you're like. Well, I would like to say UC is good, but you know, on this specific play, they're they're doing this, and it's it's ruined the whole team for me. Like, well, then <laughs> then go root, then go root for USF. Go be a yeah, USF fan. You know, like do that. No, it's a delicate balance, and I I know it was something else that's probably been creeping into for some is like the whole like well this isn't going to get it done in the Big Twelve next year. 
probably right, but they're not in the Big 12 right now. So why are we worrying about something that is not is not even a thing? Uh, you know, they'll have to play better in the Big 12 week in and week out. They'll have mm-hmm. to, you know, you're not going to have road games at what should be just like total walkover situations, like where there are actually people that go to the games and and enjoy watching their team play too. Like, I think that's a big thing that we've taken a big step at, even from when Luke was first here. Like, people are excited to come see the Bearcats. Like, this game in the past would not have been sold out, even the, two, three years ago. Even though it was homecoming, even yeah. though like any of that, like none of that. Like, I mean, the Navy game is already sold out. Nobody's nobody's coming to watch Navy. They're not any good. <laughs> nobody's excited. To, the the ECU to see game that. is you know a little over a month away. It's almost sold out. So if you need tickets for that, you you better hurry up. And that's on a Friday night. And all we've heard for how many years is, oh, you can't get people to come to the game on Friday nights because of high school football and all that stuff. Like, well, that game's almost sold out. Yeah. So everything takes time. Everything is a progression. Like. What they're doing now in the in the AAC against AAC teams, yeah, it ain't gonna work to the level that we want it to work in the Big Twelve. But then also you got to give them some credit; they're gonna figure it out and recruit better players and develop players and and learn you know how to go up against those teams versus these teams. And and you know they've been super successful. I mean, Luke's been here five and a half years, and he's what tied for like the winningest coach in school yes. history. I mean, I don't know if that says more about him or the school's history, but right. uh, <laughs> the coaches have either gone before they could get to that number or, or been held, been allowed to stick around for too for long, too long. Yeah. Um, but you know, just, you know, react how you want to react. I try not to get into the micro uh-huh. of it as much as the macro and just be like, Hey, we have a very short window to enjoy football. It is already half over. Like it's the most ridiculous thing that it feels like this season is has barely even started and it's already half over. Yeah. And so if I get to go to a game and tailgate and go to a game on a Saturday and my team comes away with a win, it's really hard for me to, you know, shift my attention to like why it wasn't by more or you know just. Like, that's a good way. That that's a good way to put it. Like. I don't want to sit here and, and at the end say, well, yeah, we won, but we should have won by more. And so I'm not going to be happy. Yeah. So, and however, I'm also not going to sit here and tell you how to be a fan. If no, you wanna, of course if, not. If, if that's the way, because I, I used to be that way. I used to always just find them like the, the one thing, if there was only one thing or the, the many things and just harp on that and never be happy. Even if there was a win, because I wanted everything, um, uh, as I got not. older, and, I, and I think it. we do a good job. You and I do a good job of like laying it all out to where it's like we're not we're not glossing over that there were some pretty big issues yesterday. We're yeah. not like, oh, just don't worry about it. They won. They you have bad games sometimes. The other team played good. Like, no, there right. are things to be concerned about. There are things to get fixed. There are things that can lead to a loss down the road if they're not fixed. Uh, when you have a quarterback like John Rice Plumley who is significantly more athletic and talented from a running standpoint than Gary Bohannon is. So, you know, you can't do the same thing against them that you did yesterday and think that you're going to go in Orlando and get that win. Right. You have to have, you know, you're going to have to have the defense step up a little more and maybe they do. Aaron brought up a good point to me last night when I was saying those things and he was like, 
how hard do you think it is for them to to really get up to play you know the the one and four team and i think that's probably why luke mentioned like you got a one and four team coming in here and that always kind of worries me like because my you know i guess the guys didn't have the you know the same energy and and whatnot but we could talk about that all day if we wanted yeah it's it's, they're young dudes and you know uss backs against the wall type of situation they didn't want to come out and give the same performance they gave last week and you know, you see off of a big, you know, in their mind, a, a big important win on on the road in a physical game, and sometimes it just happens. Um, Lambeig says, guys talked about USF played a perfect game and somehow had zero. It is it is weird how you know, like the most physical team in the conference, the other team never does anything, you know, back or you know what, you know, just an interesting, interesting mm-hmm. thing. I don't know what the. I mean, UC wasn't. I thought the refs were fine. You talked about that. Yeah. I don't think they had any egregious misses. I didn't think I didn't see one instance. It's it's very funny though to, to kind of pivot to that a little bit. It's very funny how you had a game last week that was incredibly chippy, incredibly physical, like through the whistle, beyond the whistle, all those things. <clears throat> Seven days later, you take one team out of the equation. And there were six total penalties for 50, accepted penalties, six penalties for 50 yards. Uh, no unnecessary rough. There was one like late hit on UC, I think Jacob Dingle. Like mm-hmm. no unnecessary roughness, no personal fouls. Like, huh, that's really weird how how that happened. Uh, Lambig brought up the, I wanted to mention that. That was the only one that I thought could have been addressed by the the uh the officials with some laundry um when it was on the evan prater sack uh as the guy got up off of him he grabbed him by the face mask and like pushed his helmet back i mean pushed him back into the ground everybody like you know yeah i I didn't see what happened so i didn't know what happened that's what i mean i think aaron said something he he thought maybe it was like the celebration afterwards but it was um it was in fact the uh, the defender grabbed the uh, grabbed evan by his his head slash helmet and uh and pushed it down like not just once not like he was like getting up and that's just where his hand went right uh it was like two kind of like like quick yeah, like, little like mm-hmm. like yeah, have some of that and and you know what like I, uh, I'm almost okay with it. Like you, you have a big sack like that at that point of the game. Like kind of a like. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, almost. Was, yeah, okay I mean, I, I, if that's the case, then it, it, you know it should be called. But you know, penalties. Uh, you know, penalties are missed. I, I just yeah. thought it was. I just thought it was quite a coincidence that after last week, one of these, these things two, is these not two, the same. One of these things, <laughs> yeah. One of these things is not the same, and you have a totally different type of game. Like weird how how that happened. Very odd. Um, but I think that kind of put right at, you know, perfect timing, like right at an hour, we kind of put yeah. a bow on uh, <clears throat> put a bow on the Bearcats homecoming. homecoming win to make it 30 in a row in Nippert Stadium, 28-24, over the South Florida Bulls, improve their record to 5-1. and one. Next week they play off, which I'm not sure. We're going to have to do some scouting on them. I'm not sure yeah. how good, good or bad they are. <laughs> But uh, let's let's move it quickly to around the nation, and I'm I'm gonna I want to start this one this time, and uh-huh. I, I hope this doesn't 
I hope this doesn't annoy any of our fans, but I'm going to put this out there. I think Ohio State's the best team in the country. Oh, you're going to start. You're going to start there. I'm going to. I'm going to start. I thought there three. was a different game you were going to start with. No, I, I mean well, we can get to the second best team in the country, and we'll, <laughs> we'll, everybody will get to see that full display next Saturday, three thirty CBS. No, 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 shameless plug right there. Which this this bye week could not have worked out better for me. Because one, I don't hardly ever seems like I never get to watch Tennessee play. Two, they're playing Bama and like actually look capable of winning the game. And three, the whole slate next week is awesome. So for everybody uh, who just wants to have a nice day of watching football, you get some like Michigan Penn State at noon. You got Tennessee Alabama at three thirty. Like it's a really really good day all the way down the board. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Ohio State, I mean, they've been doing this without Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mayan Williams didn't play yesterday after having almost 200 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, the week I mean, they before. also played Michigan State. Yep, and I know but, you can only play who's in front of you, but. But, I mean, their offense, man, like, yeah. good luck stopping them. And their defense is doing enough to, hey, if you're going to, they score, they're scoring 50 points a game. Like, good, good luck. It was 21 for 26, 361, and six touchdowns. And three Anderson, quarters. Anderson had 19 carries, 118 yards, and a touchdown. And Igbuka had five receptions and 143 yards and a touchdown. So and Marvin Harrison Jr. had another silly touchdown catch. Yeah. Like, Just, I don't know. I think they're the best team. Uh, I think their offense is... I think it's hard to disagree with that. They're the only team, like, yeah, who are they? they you know, say who they're playing, but, like, Alabama has now... Messed around with, with um, Arkansas. Why does this stupid ad keep playing on my ESPN page? <laughs> keep hitting pause and the ad just keeps starting. I keep hearing <laughs> these commercials over. in my head. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Alabama with Bryce Young, Marcus makes the point. If Bryce is back, it'll be a game against his team. 100%. I mean, I would still think Alabama would win. Like, I'm not – I'm a Tennessee fan. I, I'm very much prepared to not beat Alabama anytime soon. Uh, but They're we actually at like, I think, though, right? Yeah. They actually at have like England? a legit chance, even with Bryce. Like, offensively, Tennessee can go. Um, like, Auburn or Georgia, I mean, got it back going this week, but they had had two games where they looked, where, you know, very, very not, very very not amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Alabama, the Arkansas game, obviously, Bryce gets hurt. Then yesterday, Texas AM is terrible. You're in that game with them. Ohio State just hasn't had any of those situations yet, regardless of who they're playing. Yeah, this this is also very true. So that's kind of, I mean, I, I think they're they're rolling, offen- especially offensively, and if they can get enough from the defense, then that's that's all they need. I mean, if you roll into that Alabama-Texas A&M game real quick, I just want to talk about the very end of it. Um, that's the call you go with on on and goal and have to score and you throw you it to you, the front. you didn't like you, the throw that wasn't into it, the end zone you throw it just it, like at the half yard line on the sideline with a quarterback that <laughs> alleged like i guess i don't know if he they they had made mention i was kind of like half watching the game as it was going on but they made mention i guess that he has some issue with his leg like he can't push off i don't uh, know what he, his leg issue is but his throwing motion is as weird as all well, get out. I, like, I think it's because they were saying he couldn't throw, he couldn't push off his back leg. So his 
his throw is he's like, like, he's like the ball goes yeah, like here super weird and then it's like this like straight arm i don't know it was very odd i mean it, i guess it was working enough to have uh, alabama on the ropes at the end there um whatever i i don't it's very odd they were going to be like the only team to go like the first team to go back to back wins against alabama and i don't know how long um Literally there ever. was an odd handshake between Saban and uh before the game and Fisher before the game were like when, when Jimbo's some, just like looking at him waiting to yeah, see he'll like, turn around and like staring at him and like somebody said it was it was like uh he he was like Saban's daughter's prom date waiting to like <laughs> meet him uh before the dance uh it's just it's just that's a very obviously a weird weird thing um I don't know and, and that, I mean that kid completed just over 50% of his passes at, uh, hey, uh, I don't know his first, Hayes King. Hayes King, yeah. 25 of 46, 253, two touchdowns. Um, I didn't realize Bryce Young had gotten hurt and wasn't in the game, so I was very confused whenever, it was, I think his name's like Milrow. Yeah, uh, he, he played, started the whole game. Bryce hurt his, non, I think, I've seen two, I don't know if it's his throwing or not. He hurt it against Arkansas, and they just didn't play him. I fully expect him to play against Tennessee. I would be pretty surprised, but uh, well, won't it just mean that much more for your volunteers to beat them at I, full strength? No, Jeff, I don't care. <laughs> we haven't we haven't beat them in like a decade. I don't give a shit if they're playing like picking cheerleaders out of the crowd. <laughs> I don't want. I just want to win, and no one's no one's like, well, we would put Tennessee fourth in the in the playoff, but they beat Alabama without Bryce Young, so we can't do like no win all your games. I don't care who's playing. Oh man! Uh, but it was it was nice to to watch them just go down to Baton Rouge. Their fans were all upset that it was an 11 a.m. start, and yeah, you know, and then just stomp the lights out of them right from the beginning. So should have their should hopefully have their best receiver back next week uh, for the game, and then you know Hendon Hooker's playing great. So they're they're a similar thing to Ohio State. Like offense is going. Defense just has to has to do enough. Like they're getting had five sacks yesterday. That's kind of where they need to just make big plays defensively, just to help the offense out a little bit. The other thing in that game was before we move on to the, some of the Texas A and M. Like towards the end, like their defense, you know, they got the stop, and it, it was uh, fourth and four on a punt, and they got hit with twelve men on the field on the on the punt and gave Alabama another first down. And that's what then, you know, they were able to kind of hold them off again, but drain more time off the clock uh, on just a stupid, stupid penalty. You would think if you were making $95 million, you'd be able to count to 12 and, and not have, yeah. you know, too many guys on the field for a, a big crucial punt, but uh, exactly. No, but I think, you know, I think to me there weren't the big like there were really no super upsets. I think the things that jumped out to me are if USC can play defense like they did yesterday, they're going to be really hard to beat. And UCLA is like a real ass team like, like, because like I was fully expecting good? I was fully expecting Utah to kind of bully them because that's what they do to pretty much everybody. And UCLA just. I mean, DTR, 18 completions for 299 yards is awesome. Four touchdowns. Zach Charbonnet, 22 carries for 198. Like, so, 
Yeah, I think they've got a pretty big – someone in the Pac-12 has got a big – I don't know if it's – it's not UCLA-USC, but I think somebody's got a big game next week too in the Pac-12 that uh, – um, yeah, UCLA-Oregon. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that, that's not Is till it? the 22nd. Sorry, they, they must be on a bye. Did but, I click um, the wrong – yeah, I clicked the wrong thing here. Uh, but, USC, uh, yeah, the, USC, the Utah is next week. On the, the Pac-12 on the field has been uh, pretty pretty good, actually. So it's uh it's USC Utah next week. Oh, there you go. So yeah, we'll get a better, a much better, uh, <clears throat> a much better view of what USC is because you know we know what Utah will try to do to them. Um. Yeah, the end. Jason said the end of the Oregon State Stanford game. Stanford has lost eleven FBS games in a row, which seems wild to think about. They the Oregon State completed like a long pass down the sideline with like two guys standing right by the receiver, who just let him run like fifty more, thirty, forty more yards. That game ended, I'm sure, well after I was asleep. Oh yeah, I missed all. Like I felt, I didn't see uh, the end of the Bama. The game. Notre Dame, Notre Dame BYU game. Uh, Marcus Freeman seems to have those guys. Uh, like Drew Pine looked like a like a legitimate quarterback. Yep. Uh, 22 for 28, 262, three touchdowns. Uh, Michael Mayer was 11 receptions, 100 and 118 yards, uh, and two touchdowns. Uh, their running back uh, estimate. The, I guess I found out yesterday they they've been referring to him as Baby Bus. Um, hey, baby bus. He uh, he runs dudes over. I mean, he's like I think he's like 260 pounds and just like drops his pad level and knocks dudes to the ground. Um, yeah. And Mayer is a a uh, what we've known as a, a real ass tight end, and um, which makes what we did to him last year even more impressive. Um, but yeah, looks like Notre Dame. You know, they start off 0 and 2, now they're 3 and 0. Um, so good for uh, good for Marcus Freeman up there. They beat you know BYU, who you know they're top. Well, I guess they're sixteenth, so yeah. not quite top fifteen, but you know they're decent. Um, but, uh, the uh, the F, they, the end of the FSU game, Jason did, brings up. I did not. I did not see that. They they're down by two. They've got the ball well within their field goal kickers like range. Times run under a minute to go, and they. They throw some like back shoulder out route thing. Like, oh, like on fourth down or no? On it was I think it was second down. And instead of just running the ball and keeping it in the middle of the field or wherever your kicker wants it, they throw, throw an this, interception. They, yes, in the end zone. <laughs> and the like the receiver cut back to the middle of the field, and I mean it was literally like a punt. It was the and it was the odd. It was it was very very strange. Um, I don't know why you make that that decision. They're about to they're at NC State, who I guess has got a, a pretty decent home winning streak going or something. So yeah, like, uh, whatever. It was it was not a not something that you would normally see called. So no, no. Um. TCU, I don't know what to make of them being really good because I, we've always we've punked Sonny Dykes when he was at SMU. So apparently their softness hasn't did not transfer from Greater Dallas to Fort Worth yet. But they've got, I mean, next week, man, I've got next week pulled up. It is just so you got Penn State, Michigan at noon, and then you still got some other good noon game like. 
Oklahoma. I don't know what the hell's going on there, but you got Kansas at Oklahoma. I heard a crazy, I saw a crazy stat on Twitter yesterday. Oklahoma has not had a game on ESPN two since 2013. Every one of their games has either been like Fox, ABC, or regular ESPN. <laughs> so the the Texas Oklahoma game yesterday. Yeah, Quinn Ewers, a dude. Large the tech, that was the largest win in the series history. It was forty nine to nothing. Yeah. Uh, largest shutout loss in program history for Oklahoma. Things are going well. Uh, snaps the streak of consecutive games with an offensive touchdown at 167 straight games. Oklahoma had an offensive touchdown. That's a lot. No more. Uh, and suffered 30-plus uh, point losses in consecutive games for the first time in program history. So they really, I mean, like, those things seem like it, that's all good. You so know? Brett Venables going is, well. is, you know, he's, the honeymoon is over. Talk about like fans being broken, like when they as they like panned across like some. And of now the we get to go play like, in the SEC. Congratulations! Right, like, Texas might money. actually be ready for that. And all uh, that money, not gonna make any of those fans happy. No, not at all. Um, uh, and then there was there was one that might not have popped up on uh, on your radar here because it came from uh, the ACC uh, in the Pitt Virginia Tech game. 316 and six, man. I saw it. Uh, 36 carries, 320 yards, six touchdowns for the uh, the pit running back. Uh, and I'm not even going to pretend like I can oh, say yeah, his last name. Oh, yeah, try. Can't, can't do it. So, uh, I got an even better stat for you than that. Okay. Toledo, Northern Illinois. Quinion Mitchell, defensive back Toledo. Four interceptions, two pick sixes. Okay. Like he had more, he had the same number of interceptions as the leading receiver had catches for Northern Illinois. That's like, that's a day. That's that also something. Day. That is a day, man. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, get four picks and bring two of them back. And maybe, maybe, uh, well, here's another good one, uh, in the Miami, North Carolina game. Quarterback for Miami in a losing effort goes 42 of 57 for 496 yards and three touchdowns, and they lose 27 to 24. We have three touchdowns, and you throw for almost 500 yards. That's wild. That is. Um, yeah, next week, man, you got Oklahoma State. So, Bama, Tennessee, 330. Oklahoma State, TCU, 330. You know. Arkansas BYU three thirty, uh, and then you go further down. You got Clemson at Florida State, Mississippi State at Kentucky. USC Kentucky suffered a loss to a really bad South Carolina. Yeah, yesterday. Will Levis didn't play. Um, I don't think Kentucky's that great anyway. But right. when, when your starting quarterback doesn't play in a conference game, it's gonna be hard. Like it's hard yeah. to beat anybody with a pulse. I do want to touch on this real quick because it's already started to uh, be mentioned nationally. This whole like 12 and 0 coastal or 11 and 1 Cincy. Uh, if 11 and if coastal does go 12 and 0 or 13 and 0 wins their conference and UC goes 12 and 1, there's I see no way coastal could make it over UC because the committee is not the pollsters and they are looking at data points and they're looking at things like SP plus. 
they're looking at things like Sager. And, and I actually looked at this last week because I was interested in seeing. UC is already ahead of Coastal by anywhere from 40 to 60 spots in these rankings. And we can say the same thing about UC. Like, if they play like they did yesterday, they're not going to win against, say, Central Florida. Well, Coastal is not playing well. And they still have to play App State. They still have to play JMU. They still have to play the conference champ. Like, if they keep playing like they're playing, they're not going to go 12 and 0. Like, I just cannot see it. Like, they they had a str- they had a hard time beating Louisiana Monroe yesterday. Yeah, you know, and I mean Texas State whooped up on uh, App State. I mean they've got. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know it's a it's a it's of course it's going to be a talking point going forward, but like. There's half the season left. Like both teams could easily drop a game. Like if you see players like they did yesterday defensively, I don't think they're going to go to Central Florida and win. Um, if if Coastal keeps playing like they're playing, I don't think they're going to be App State and James Madison. Yeah, JMU, JMU beat App State, right? Yes, that was that uh, crazy. Yeah. That was a crazy ending. Um, well. So, uh, wrap around to some uh, Bearcats. Let's talk about some Bearcats. Bearcats that were in the Al- NFL Alec here. Pierce, Thursday night, eight, what, eight so, for 81. And last week, he was uh, four for 80. Colts stink, but he's uh, he's starting to turn it on, so that's that's good to see. Travis Kelsey. So, these are these are all last week, plus Alec Pierce gets the benefit of uh, the, the recap of, of two weeks here. So, uh He's had 12 receptions for 161 yards in, in the last two games. Um, Travis Kelsey last week had nine receptions, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Jason Kelsey, we don't often see uh, offensive linemen getting a little uh, love, but he had zero. He gave up zero sacks and zero pressures. Um, Sauce Gardner, three tackles, one pass defense. Derek Forrest, four tackles, a pass defense. Brian Cook, five tackles. And a pass defense, and I believe he. Oh, and no, it was Kobe Bryant that had the forced fumble. Um, yep, and six tackles. You're starting to see like kind of the old traditional quarter poll now that there's 17 games. I guess it's technically not the quarter of the season, but I think it was Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network kind of did like his recap of the draft picks, like kind of ranking how they've been playing. And Sauce was number one. Like he's, you know, oh yeah, obviously. Had a very very good start to his NFL career and and you know been just outstanding and everything that anybody thought that he could be and and good to see him you know cashing in on that early. Wanted to give a shout out to Mike Boone too. I mean he uh, with the Broncos running back situation being an issue. Yeah, he had a nice. He stepped up for them. Had a nice uh, couple nice runs and nice nice screen pass. I think, you know, so he's getting some getting some good run and will continue to get some good run as um you know Mr. What is his nickname? Mr. What is Russell Wilson's dumb nickname? Isn't it uh, isn't it dangerous? Mr. Dane I don't know, something, something Dangerous. Something weird. Dangerous. Um but yeah, as he's been terrible, so maybe they need to give the ball to Mike Boone more. Oh, he's that's a that's a special situation out there. Let's pay all kinds of money, and then you got a guy that uh, I don't know. So it, there there was a lot there were a lot of hot takes on that. Uh, oh yeah, this 
this week on on the uh, the Twitters. Yeah. So, so I think yeah, Bearcats are. Uh, yeah, you can always count on Travis and Jason Kelsey. They're gonna do. They're gonna have a a good game. You know, an impactful game more times than not. But we're starting to see the, especially the young draft picks from this last year. You know, playing a lot of minutes. Kobe, uh, Brian Cook, Alec, Sauce. You know, Beavers is obviously out for the season. Jerome Ford's getting a little bit of run with the Browns as a kick returner. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've not, I don't know, I haven't noticed or seen anything. Has Majay been like a, an inactive for their game? I think he was a healthy inactive. Yeah. So hopefully he gets an opportunity soon, but yeah. I think we will we'll close it up quickly on. We got to wait till 820 tonight. <laughs> the big to Bengals Ravens game tonight. It'd be very interested to see, you know, the Bengals defense has been. Frankly, awesome. You know, they don't yeah. allow touchdowns. They I saw a tweet from Warren Sharp yesterday where like over their last 18 games, I think they've including the Super Bowl, something like that, they've allowed like 20 points in the third quarter. Just something ridiculous. Yeah, they um, uh... so it's it's how do you defend Lamar? Uh Rashad Bateman is out, which is a huge is, loss. Is he? Yep. Oh no. He leads the NFL in yards per catch. I mean, their receiving core is not great to begin with. And without him, it's basically like Mark Andrews and the running game in Lamar. And um, this is the uh, the Hayden Hurst revenge tour game. Yeah. The Ravens have somehow <laughs> lost five home games in a row and blown two 17-plus point leads. So, like, does that – what does that mean? And their defensive backs can't cover anybody. They have the worst pass – pass defense in the league and they don't really get a lot of, this is not like the old Ray Lewis Ed Reed defenses. They don't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback, which is going to be good for us. So the offensive line has been much better in a pass blocking sense. We'll see what happens running the ball. Um, but we know what Joe and the boys have done against that defense the last two times they play. So, but it's a big one. I mean, if they win this game, they are firmly in the driver's seat for the division. If they lose it, they are 0-2 in the division, and it's going to make it pretty hard to dig themselves out. So, uh, have to stay up late again tonight and uh, to, to check on that one. So, Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to make it that late. <laughs> I, I know I will, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, regardless, I can't not watch. <laughs> Right. I mean, I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best. Thursday, I was watching uh, in bed and was like, this is not working. So I went downstairs and then the fourth quarter happened. So it was all me. I'll have to sit. I guess if I sit in my chair and don't don't like lean it back, you know, then I'm getting old. Dave, getting old. How how old are you? 36. You're not old. I'm five years older than you. (laughs) I get up early, you know. Eight. Yeah, me too, man. 5, 5 a.m. today. I mean, look at Aaron. See if Aaron will pop back in here for a second. I don't know if he's still around back there. Look, look, look at Aaron. You can tell he's he's had a rough go at it. I wish I was Aaron. He got to sleep till like 9 today, and his fiance, wife, fiance, girlfriend, whatever he calls her, made him breakfast casserole. Baby mama. I was up at 5 a.m. I didn't get any of those things. I just got a 3-year-old in my bed at 6 wanting to play. Yeah, I know. Oh, now I've got children that are... 
attempting to like play WWE tomorrow, upstairs. Tomorrow's my birthday, so I didn't even get. I didn't even get time. <laughs> Maybe you'll get a cake tomorrow, Dave. I'm gonna get one here when we as soon as this podcast is over. I'm going to my parents for a little get together, but nice, you know. Oh, but yeah, so that'll that should wrap it up. We uh we obviously don't have a game to recap next week, so this might turn into a Tennessee Vols best team in the country podcast for one week. Uh, hey. you know, the, come come next Sunday, you never know. Volunteer but, the volunteer brunch for a week, huh? <laughs> I might be the most annoying person around. <laughs> That's all right. But uh, but again, thank you, everyone. Everybody in the in the mentions, everybody that jumps on to join us live, super appreciate it. Hayden uh, was not able to join us. He was in the airport this morning, heading back, uh, I believe, to Atlanta. So we will try to get him on. Maybe we can make that work next week as we don't have a game to talk about. So again, thank you everybody for joining Bearcat Brunch. Please like, subscribe, leave a, leave a comment, good or bad. We love to hear from everybody. So take it easy and have a great Sunday. Go Bearcats!